just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you today. Uh, I do have a quick announcement. I know it's early in the week this week, but next Monday and Tuesday, uh, I have interviews from the set of The Chosen. Actors, writers, uh, it's very, very cool. Pre-recorded, so I already know it's good. Uh, and so <laughs> just a quick programming note, next Monday and Tuesday, live from, well, Live Today Live, pre-recorded from the set of The Chosen. But today we are talking about a topic that I wrote on years ago and got a lot of confusion. Uh, and, and today's guest has the right idea in titling her book because it says, oop, there it is right there. Take back your joy. Uh, and joy is one of those words that we use around Christmas uh, and don't fully understand it. And, but we use it in church. And here's the thing. I, we, we have this term happiness in the English language. Uh, which has a couple definitions. One of them is joy. The other one is pleasure. And if you know anything about Scripture, we don't live for our own pleasure, but we should have joy. So, you know, happiness, joy, how do those work? How do we lose them? How do we regain them? That's the topic for today. Our guest is Nicole Jacobs-Meyer, uh, and this book just dropped today, so you can go get it wherever you get books. Uh, so jump in. Chat is open. Be a part of the conversation. I always appreciate you guys that jump in when we're live. Love the comments when you watch it in the replay. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed, followed, like, do those now so you'll get notifications for more interviews. Nicole, welcome to Life Today Live. Thank you so much. I love this. All right. So why? So first, congratulations on your first book. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a labor of love, and it is labor. Yes. Uh, and and I get that. Uh, why, why this particular topic? I think I wrote this out of my pain, out of the deepest, darkest pain, my misunderstanding of God and who he is, and really not understanding the correlation between suffering and joy. And like you said, this, this idea of happiness, and we know that happiness is fleeting. It's an emotion right. and that's how we define it. And so when I'm called, like in James 1, 2, where it says, consider it joy when you face trials, when I'm called to do these things, I didn't know what that looked like, mm. and I didn't know how to live that out. And so writing this book was a journey of trying to understand through my own pain what the Lord really meant when he was saying these words. Great question, uh, and, and one I think we should ask, and a lot of people never get there. They never get the answers. What was the pain that you were going through? In my early 20s, I had a horrible traumatic experience and was raped. And mm. that was the same time frame as my dad came out saying he was living a double life. And so this idea of betrayal and brokenness hit me unlike I've ever felt in my life because I grew up in a Christian home mm. and felt like I was very much surrounded in a bubble of protection and love and just Christians all around me, friends, family, everything. And so when this happened, this was the first season of complete trauma and brokenness and suffering. And all of those hard questions started to come about with why 
And what does this mean for God's love for me? And when he says that he's my provider and my protector, what does that look like in my life? And so it became personal. And so over all those years, then a few years ago, only a few, three years ago, I had a miscarriage and was diagnosed with cancer and was solo parenting because my husband was in medical school. And just this culmination of trials in such a short amount of time really made me try to understand and go to the word, what does this mean and what is God calling me to because of those pains? Well, okay, so let's just be honest. If if you you were raped, which is, there's nothing happy about that. There's nothing good about right. that. And that would be a tremendous trial, right? Yeah. To say, oh, Nicole, just count it all joy. Right. Sounds really awful. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, awful. And I that's when, you know, when people say, God will never give you more than you can handle or just count it all joy and God is God still loves you. And those things, while they come from a place of maybe not understanding themselves or just trying to be kind, not knowing what to say, those things just aren't true in the aspect of God doesn't necessarily keep all problems away in all of our lives all the time. And I think that I had a misunderstanding of the gospel because I did not have that biblical foundation as much as I thought I did. So, so where do you, where do you go with that? Um, did you run? Did you, were you mad at God, um, kind of walking away from him a little bit or did you run to him? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was furious. I felt completely betrayed. I felt like this was too much for me to deal with and to handle. And I was serving God. I loved God. And then for this to happen, he, he didn't put anybody in my path to save me. He didn't put anyone in my path to help me and he just allowed it. And it felt like he just kind of, Oh, there, there she goes. And I was feeling like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to give up on this whole loving God aspect. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my missions director of our church, and she was also in women's ministry. And she called me up and said, Hey, I want you to come into my office. And I had no idea what she was going to talk to me about. I got in there and she said, I want you to lead the missions trip next summer. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm doing that. Like you picked the wrong girl. I'm not holy enough. I'm not spiritual enough. And quite frankly, I don't even know this whole relationship with God right now, if that's going to work out. And as I told her about my brokenness and what I just walked through and the dysfunction in my family and how hurt and broken and depressed and all of those things that I was, she, it's almost like she saw me as Jesus did, despite the pain and brokenness. And she called me up and almost called me higher and said, this is exactly why I want you to lead this missions trip. And this is why God is. Oh boy. Zoom was doing so well before we started this interview. Uh, Give me just a second. I know you want to hear the end of this. I certainly do too. And I've got more loaded questions as I tend to do. So let's, uh, Oh, there. Okay. 
We lost her for a second there. Uh, so we lost you at the point where she said, this is exactly why we want you to lead this missions trip. Yes. And she just said, this is why, because God is going to be made known in your life. God is going to showcase his glory through all the people that you meet. And it's because you're weak and in that he is going to be so strong. So that kind of set their trajectory. <laughs> did did. Did you go, oh, amen, I received that, sister? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, um, I just continued to cry, and I was like, okay, I guess let's see what happens. (laughs) Right. So in in, in the the violation of rape and also the disappointment of your father's failure, is it fair to say you were really questioning the goodness of God? Absolutely. I think— I couldn't have, I didn't have that earthly example and I didn't have the men and my father and the men around me who were being a good example of the Lord's love and goodness. And I think sometimes we can look at God through the lens of our earthly fathers. Oh yeah. And, and that happens a lot for a lot of us. And in that moment, I just thought, well, now this happened and my dad you know, had his shortcomings and failures, then does God even love me? Is like, what does his goodness even mean in my life? So yeah. absolutely. I asked all those hard questions. Well, and so what was the turning point for you? Because obviously if you've written a book called Take Back Your Joy, you, you <laughs> learned a few things. Yeah. Well, I'm still learning. I feel like I'm on sure. a constant journey of learning all of this, but yes. I think when the director of missions and women's ministry did call me to that missions trip, I just think that that was what God used to pull me out of that season. And of course, I've had plenty of seasons since then where I've been broken and depressed and it's been darkness and it's been just awful at times. But in that specific situation, it was through that responsibility to lead and through that, um, through service, you know, serving sometimes pulls us out of ourselves and it it almost makes us see this bigger picture of what God is doing and it's outside of just us in this like woe is me I guess little time frame that I was in for that time and I understand like there's there needs to be time to vent and to mourn and to grieve and all those things and to get counseling and seek help but it was in that service for me that started that step to taking back my joy. All right. Uh, I want to show people the book again, Take Back Your Joy. And I will point out, and it will make a lot more sense now that we've heard a bit of your story. That is a bit of an aggressive title. <laughs> right? It's it's uh, yeah. go go take something that has been maybe, in, in your case, in many cases, stolen. stolen by a a crime, stolen by disappointment, stolen by failure, stolen by this world. Um, How much of this is a conscious decision to say, no, I'm not going to let whoever, however you want to phrase it, the devil, other people, my own disappointments, steal something that God wants to give me? Right. I think having joy is that assurance that 
God is with us regardless of what we go through. Mm. All of those valleys, all the highs, all the lows in between, everything that I go through, I can have that joy that is an unshakable foundation. Going forward, I now know that that is what my joy is. It is that assurance. But what it does to like to get to that place, there's a lot of fight and obedience. I think we don't talk enough about obedience and discipline as believers and taking our own responsibility and fighting for, in this faith, you mm -hmm. know, working out our salvation. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens when we're just sitting. Again, this doesn't mean you shouldn't rest and go through all the process and all those things of right. healing. Right. But there, this is an active faith. And that is something that we have to take responsibility in. And as hard as it is, we just have to go back to the scripture and knowing that worship in our pain is an act of obedience. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And that, that can be the hardest. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. <laughs> well, I'll never learn this, you know, completely. Like this is a constant, like you said, a constant choice and daily taking back, right? And yeah, it's yeah. a lifetime. Yeah. All right. So there are you in the book, you outline 10, what you call simple steps. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I don't always feel that way to, to regain uh, the joy that has gone by whatever means it's gone. Um, walk us through some of those steps. I think a really big one for me that I've had to um, kind of grapple with is the idea of, of forgiving others yeah. is going to bring you a lot of joy and set you free in so many ways so that you forward. And through all that that happened, like with my dad and the man who raped me and the situation surrounding that with other failures and shortcomings from other men in my life, the amount of forgiveness that I had to lay down at the foot of the cross and understand how to walk that out took me so long, hmm. like literally eight years to finally get to that place of letting go. And it's in that process of wrestling with the Lord on these hard topics and letting go and finally taking back my joy in that area. And so I think forgiveness is a huge one. And like we said, service and taking responsibility complaining our words, man, our words bring life or death. And I was saying, you know, a lot of complaints and a lot of woe is me. And there's just so many things that can get us back on track. Well, let me ask you about the forgiveness, because this is a big deal. Um, yeah. Because you, you mentioned taking responsibility. Someone who does a horrible thing to another person should have to accept the responsibility or at least right. be held responsible. Uh, you know, God loves justice, does he not? Mm -hmm. How does forgiveness look in, in the context of justice and responsibility? I think knowing that God is just and that we all will stand before him individually on judgment day does bring me joy. Like I'm a very <laughs> justice driven personality and I'm not going to lie about that. Like the revenge and like that is a bad part of my character. But when it comes to the healthy justice of knowing this is the Lord's and that he is going to make all things right, that helped me so much be able to take that next step and say, okay, you know what? 
I cannot do anything. I can't throw anyone in prison. I can't go knocking on any doors. Like this has to be the Lord's and trusting, trusting his justice. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's, if we're honest, that's the tough part for, for a lot of people to go, I don't know that I trust God's sense of justice more yeah. than I, I trust mine. Or I want to, I want to meet out the justice on my own time frame. Right. <laughs> because that's more just than what God wants to do. Right. And that's... Oh, I totally did that <laughs> <laughs> at first, like, especially with my dad, I was, I immediately told him, I was like, okay, you're not walking me down the aisle. Uh-huh. If I ever get married, like that's never happening. You're never coming to any more of my volleyball games. Like I started putting up all these things, knowing that that would just get him a little bit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and I definitely tried to take everything into my own hands. And that's why it took me eight years to finally get to that place of releasing that to the Lord and oh, what freedom and joy that that brought. Okay. See, and, and I was, I want to, I want to tie it back to, again, the topic of your book, when you took the justice into your own hands, if not literally, at least the emotionally, um, what did, what joy was there in that? There wasn't any, (laughs) I feel like when, when you have it, I, I, tried to control it so much that all it did was brought anger and honestly pride Mm. because who am I to say that I can make all things right? Who am I to say that I can bring justice more than the God of the universe? How prideful is that? And so it was a very much of a character development and character check on my part being like, if I don't forgive, what does that say about me as a child of God? Well, I mean, Jesus doesn't mince word, words when he says, if you don't forgive people here, my father and right. heaven is not going to forget you. That's pretty heavy. And that's right. pretty direct. Uh, yeah. And and we don't like that. I mean, I, I no. we uh, we can I can quote you five other scriptures to try to counter that idea. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm forgiven. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Jesus literally said. And, and so I think he's obviously it's a big deal to him. But yeah. I, I think sometimes we think, well, it's a big deal to him so that he can be boss. But I think the, if we really get down to it, it's a big deal because he knows the prison we put our own selves in or other people can yes. put us in. And he knows the freedom that comes when we when we let them go. We don't hold them accountable for their yes. wrongs because yeah. we have not been held accountable for our own. Exactly. Wrongs. When you did that, what happened? I feel like that changed the entirety of the gospel for me because it made me realize I am so undeserving of this beautiful gift and sacrifice of Jesus on the cross Mm. and the resurrection and the whole gospel story. And if I am seeing, then what lens was I seeing myself through? And then when I finally accepted that, it's almost like I probably became a true believer, you know, like looking back, it's almost in that process of forgiveness that I understood my place and God's place and my place and remembering his true character. I love it. And and I I harp on that because I I just, I think we've all been there at some level, but some people stay there at that point where they think I can never be happy until they get what they deserve. And I know. They do deserve it. They do deserve right. it. Right. You know, I'm not going to pretend, you know, I, I, there, we got so many Christianese phrases that drive me nuts, you know. <laughs> but, oh, me too. <laughs> but the reality is, so uh, the reality is a, a rapist deserves a harsh, harsh punishment, right? Yep. Um, But yet 
the the gospel is such that it says no when you when you let it go forgiveness when you let that person go and i think the full story is trust god to to really deal with them that's the only way you're going to get your your happiness back your joy yeah and it's a process this is not an sure. easy like oh everyone just go forgive those people today i mean yes do what needs to be done but it is a process like you can't just mm-hmm. say these words right. and sometimes you have to daily forgive mm-hmm. right sometimes you have to say these things out loud like i forgive this person because i know that god is just and this is what i'm called to do and i release that to you lord sometimes you have to say that every single day until it becomes true and until you actually believe it from that head heart connection yeah and i and i think it's fair to modify one of my favorite verses of the bible which says lord i believe Help my unbelief. I think it's okay to yes. say, Lord, I forgive. Help my unforgiveness. Help me to forgive. Because yeah. <laughs> right? I, yes. I think he likes that, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. So that's, that's Being authentic. Good, right, right. <laughs> um, I, okay, there's another one that I, I want to hit in your list of 10, and we're not going to get to them all. So if you want to, if you want all of her, of Nicole's steps to take back your joy, pick up the book it's available where you get books right <laughs> there's, your, there's your book plug um because it's really good and and it's good to work through because you can hear these things but you know when you get a book and you work through it and you can reread it and you highlight because you need these things it'll help you so that's that's why i mentioned that but there's another one um in shifting perspective and yeah. i i know I, I know from my own life i know from just people that i know that how we see things ourselves god other people this world um directly impacts your your joy um explain to us what you mean when you talk about shifting your perspective and how it relates to your joy yeah when i was confined to my bed from treatment after cancer i saw my husband in a completely different way because of my uh, my weakness and my helplessness and how he was able to come in and be like the rock and the strength of our family. And looking at taking a step back and seeing God's overarching story of how he involves so many of his people into one story and I thought it was about me. I thought this whole cancer thing, this is awful. I'm going to make it all about myself. This is just, woe is me. And just so intro into myself, right? And such a selfish, nasty way to live. But looking at the miracles God was doing outside of just me healing on this, you know, on this bed, being confined here, seeing the work that he does and the miracles and his glory revealed and how other people are the hands and feet of Christ and what how God's taking care of all the needs with my kids. Mm-hmm. It's like our perspective is so small. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing just through this little tiny lens. And then when I was finally just gave up control and said, okay, Lord, I'm helpless and I need you to be my everything. I was able to step back and see, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me think of Romans where it says, um, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. Hmm. And it's like all of that endurance and the pain and the suffering, that's nothing compared to this beautiful, glorious eternity with our father. And that is what kept me going. And that's what finally got me through when you shift your perspective to something so much greater. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, how long ago was the cancer battle? Three years. Three years. How are you today? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still have to, I'm not myself. I physically, I haven't, I still have to take medication every day and get blood work and scans and all that, but I'm, I'm good. So I mean, just the fact that you can talk about joy and have a level of joy in the middle of that. Honestly, it's a testament to something else is going on other than the natural. Yeah, I would hope so. I don't have anything left to give. So it's all, it's all the Lord. <laughs> mm, wow. God love you. That's it's tough. I, I, I don't, I don't sit here and pretend to understand why a lot of these things happen. Uh, you know, um, I guess Paul says that, that it is by suffering and tribulation. I think the other word he uses that we, we enter into the kingdom of God. And it doesn't mean that's how we earn our way to heaven. The kingdom is, is more about God's authority and presence and power here in this life. Um, have you, do you sense a close, a, a closer connection to God in the suffering? Always. Every mm -hmm. time I look back on my life, the places that I've been the closest with the Lord, relying on him the most, trusting him the most, loving him the most, everything that is not of me, that it's of him, it is in the worst places, mm -hmm. the trials, the suffering. And I, I look at Philippians and I read that it's a joy to suffer and that it's a privilege mm -hmm. to suffer for Christ. And if that's been my prayer, you know, since as a believer, since a young girl to be made more like Christ, you know, mm. and filled with the Holy Spirit, I know now that it's been through trials, that it's been through the pain and that I can have that oneness and the privilege with Christ, you know, of suffering for him. Wow. Uh, and that takes you back full circle to the counter it all joy, knowing that, and I love that, you know, the, the rest of it, what, what happens when we count these things as joy yeah have you seen the trials producing the endurance and, and all of i forget the whole list you probably know it better than i do but you know when he says counter yes. all joy but knowing that, it, that it, it's producing the ultimate goal of god in our lives which is this transformation yes which is what we pray for the sanctification <laughs> and like we always, we always pray these things, but we don't realize what it's going to take sometimes. And the promise is that he is going to produce in us those things because of the pain. And what a good God, what a good God and faithful God that we serve, that he would produce in us these character traits and hope and endurance and all of these beautiful things because of the pain. And that truly is that's the whole point, you know, of him making these beautiful stories and beautiful things out of the worst, the absolute worst of circumstances. So the rest of that verse in James is, is that, um, you know, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance 
and it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. And I think some translations there say, say perfect because when the Bible talks about perfection, it's, it's more about a wholeness and completion, not lacking anything. Um, would you say that your suffering, uh, your trials, the perseverance you've had to have and the joy that you found in it, um, has matured you and led to a wholeness that you'd never experienced? Yes, but I think it's a process still. Sure. I don't, yeah, yeah I, I'm not suggesting you're done. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I wish I was, dang it. <laughs> but it's the, it is that, uh, that's the hope and that's the prayer. And it's almost like you can't really define it yourself. It's, I, I would hope that I am more mature and closer to the Lord and I, I feel like I am. I hope that I am, but ask my husband. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. okay, so here's, well, hang on, let me, let me check my notes. Is uh, No, not in there. Given, <laughs> given the violence, given the disappointment from your father, um, giving the questioning of God, giving the disappointment in, in lots of men in your life, uh, <laughs> how, is your husband Superman or something? I mean, yes, yes, <laughs> uh, yes. How? I met him. I met him right after I got back from my Nepal trip when that summer that I led from after the rape and after my dad came out with all that. And I met him shortly after. And he is this book in my life, and everything would not be the same if it weren't for him. I mean, yes, I give all the glory and credit to the Lord, of course, Yeah. but what my husband has spoken in my life and how he has helped me understand scripture and how he points me to the truth of who God actually is in my questions, he is, he's unmatched. He's the best person on the planet. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole, all of scripture is God wanting to work through his creation through people. And so to me, I look at that not to put too much pressure, pressure on your husband or to put him on some kind of false pedestal. Right. But God likes to use people who will surrender their lives to him to bless other people, to heal, you know, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. You confess them to God, you're forgiven. But sometimes the healing is, isn't talking to another person. And I totally, I totally see that consistent with the character of God to say, look, you've, you've, you need someone special in this area where so much right. pain has come. And yes. so I've got this perfectly wonderful yielded man over here that I'm going to use to bless you. That to me, that makes sense. And the fact that he did that, he didn't have to, no. like God did not have to give me four beautiful babies. Mm. He did not have to heal me from cancer. He didn't have to restore all this frustration and anger and loss because of men. He didn't have to give me my husband. And that is the goodness of God. He is doing that. If we just open our eyes and look around, God is in all of that. And it's just absolutely beautiful. And I, it makes me want to cry every time because <laughs> he didn't have to, but he did. What do you, what's your prayer when you look at your four kids? I know they're young. You, you're, you got a house full. Um, yes. I, oh man, I always pray that, Christ would be made known in their life, regardless of what they face, mm -hmm. and that they would come to know him at a young age and serve him all the days of their life. 
and that no matter the highs and no matter the lows, that Christ would always be their rock. Mm. So those are like my main ones that I pray every single day. And it's, oh, it changes all the time though, but those are the main ones. I know from losing my younger sister at 40 uh, when she had three kids at home. Um, that I think is probably the the hardest thing for a parent to trust God in, in that he loves our kids as much as we do, more than more than we do. Uh, he's able to love more than we do. But we, you know, we love fully. It's not a comparison thing. But just to, just to say, okay, I'm facing life-threatening circumstances here, and I want to be there for my kids. God, don't you want me there for my kids? You know? Yeah. Um, how hard is that? I mean, is that do – do has he given you a supernatural security, or is that still a struggle? I think it'll always be a struggle for yeah. parents. Yeah. I do. I mean, after – going through the cancer and having those deep questions, that's what brought me to the depression was mm. because God says that he will use things for our good and his glory. And I just did not understand how me losing my life was going to be good for my kids right. because I was there everything, especially while my husband was gone so much during medical school. Yeah. And those are the things like trusting, trusting <laughs> God with your kids in that. I, I didn't care about my life, you right. know, it was like, but when, when something happens to them or you think about how their life is going to be mm -hmm. laid out, it's just that trust is again, a daily choice. And so much of this, so many of these things are that daily trust, that daily obedience, daily forgiveness, daily everything, because mm -hmm. that's the only way for me that I can survive and have freedom and joy. Yeah. All right, last question, and I'll leave you alone. <laughs> but I can, you know, when I when I see depth in the well, I tend to lower the bucket even deeper, and I can see. I love it. it. I can see it in you. I can see it in you. So here's here's the last question. Um, when you're old and and gray and senile. And we're praying for that for you. <laughs> Not soon, <laughs> but just yeah. in, in the process. Please later. Randy. I know. Right? I know. My wife. My wife. I'm, yeah. I just turned fifty three, and my wife. Some days she's like, "Oh, we're we're getting old," and I'm like, "That's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal. That's success." Um, but so when 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 your life is done and long time from now, and you do stand before God, what what do you really want to hear Him say to you? Besides the well done, good and faithful servant sure. that we all want to hear. Sure. That's just the pat answer, right? <laughs> it's but true. Though. Yes. It's the true. Of course, that's what I want. But I think I want him to say, with the little I gave you, I'm so grateful that you mm. did what I asked so that I could make it go further. Mm. That with these relationships, with these small, small things that I'm learning or just the mundane in motherhood, right? The simple things with motherhood or supporting my husband through 10 years of his medical journey, like little things like that are a huge deal mm -hmm. to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I want to be reminded of that every day, but I want to be very much reminded of like, 
this is the gold stars, the trophies, all the things that we want on earth, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. It's those relationships. It's the people that we bring to the Lord, the ones that we draw close to the heart of Christ. That's all that matters. And if I can just know that my kids love and serve Christ and that I did what I was supposed to with the little, that's it. That's it. That's my life. And I will be so grateful. Hmm. Hmm. Jeez, Nicole, this has been a fabulous conversation. I appreciate you opening up so much. Hmm. Really, really means a lot. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate all you guys out there watching. You know some people that need to hear this. It will encourage them, give them hope, give them maybe some direction. A beautiful example of what it means to find the joy, take it back even in tough circumstances. Hit share. Hit follow, like, subscribe. Those are good. Come back. We've got more for you next time on Life Today Live. You can also check out Nicole's website. I want to mention NicoleJacobsMeyer.com. Looks like this. We float on this vast, limitless sea of divine mercy.